Nomad Nog region, and welcome to the Space Lounge. This is GoMo Tonight, your only local connection to regional comedy on a weekly basis. Coming at you again from our Space Lounge, I'm your host, Chris DiLoretto, joined by my fabulous co-hosts, Zoe Rotenheinsman and Sam Abbott. And you know, pardon us tonight if if we seem a, just a tiny bit glowy because uh, this is uh, Thursday, February 10th, 2022 that we're recording this. And earlier tonight, we were together in person in the, the fantastic 1833 room in the Peterborough Town Library for our monthly Monadnock Underground Writer's Night Out, which is co-sponsored by the Peterborough Town Library. And we had our best turnout yet. We had like a million different like genres represented from there was poetry, there was memoir, there was like straight up nonfiction, there was some horror, there was some fantasy, there was um yeah, what what am I what am I leaving uh, out? I feel like I'm leaving like stuff out here even. Some piece of Bill's road novel. Which we'll be publishing later in the year, by the way. Yeah, Bulgarity. But, yeah, was great. Bulgarity. There was a little some more comfortable. Writer, I'm like, this is there, good. It's I think it's awesome. There yeah. there have been some writers' nights out where there's like a kid or two in the audience. And I and I I say that also with the caveat that I think every parent that has brought a kid in kind of knows potentially what they could be getting into. So I don't I don't think there's any bones about it, but also, you know, the library has put out some promos that have encouraged like children in general. So it was possible that tonight could have been populated by some unsuspecting victims of vulgarity eventually, but no, tonight was, tonight was adults only. So there were several readers that like prefaced what they had to say were there's some swears. And at one point Sam was like, good. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Swears and multiple rapes tonight. I was also thinking it was good that there were no kids. Yeah, yeah, not graphic, sure. but but still, no, you know, yeah, you never yeah. want to have to explain what that word means before. No, no, and it's like it's funny too because I, I I do feel like if we have like several writers' nights out in a row that features that this much mature content it's almost like at what point do we start actually warning people you know because mm. i don't want to mm. it's we, we it's early that's the thing these we yeah. have these at 5 30 p.m so it actually is like a kid-friendly time and and i don't even at this point want to discourage like any young writers from coming and practicing reading before an audience i think that's wonderful so i don't really want to close that door but at the same time these are adult writers and mostly yeah. adult audience and i favor the mature content yeah maybe next time we'll get the full story of the vampire that was deemed too mature for even tonight yeah, yeah. uh yeah that was, like, that was a, the, like a juice box i think is the term <laughs> that was use. that was the phrase <laughs> no. after um, they after she raped him i think is kind of what he was where he's going with that Rape them yeah. and then drain drain them like a juice box. But <laughs> I, I know I'm intrigued. Enough <laughs> said. Yeah, right. No, that was interesting. Yeah, so that right. seemed like that was most of the action. 
and what he didn't say. But in any case, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was. yeah, there were, yeah, yeah, we were promised horror, and I'm not, I'm not, we didn't I'm get to sure. hear the horror, <laughs> the where, horror where. The horrific parts. But, <laughs> but we also, I was really Maybe happy though step. that we had. Um, that woman came and she said she she prefaced she she first she prefaced saying that there was some foul language but she mentioned that she wrote a book several a few years ago yeah. let it sit for a year or two then she had a friend that like worked through the whole book with her which is great if you have a friend that will do that with you that's a good friend indeed and then let it sit for like another year or two and she was reading it for someone other than that one friend for the very first time in Writer's Night Out. And I that's the stuff yeah. that I really love to see because that's re- that's what it's for. It's 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 not just it like it's less of a performance than it is a part of your like process of creation in my mind anyways. And and I really think for the most part, except for the poets, who I think generally are reading things that they consider to be complete and finished, people are reading drafts of things. Uh, and they might yeah. be further along than others, but most of the time people aren't like, I wrote, maybe Chloe a little bit. She seems to she seems to consider some of her stories done, I think, when she reads them. But for the most part, most of the people, even with fiction, uh, it's pretty clear based on something that they've said that that it's a work in progress and it's an excerpt usually it's a draft and and this is part this is the audience is a sounding board you personally hear your own words differently when it's good to i I think zoe you might have said this in the last episode i did yeah it's good to hear yourself read it out loud in a room by yourself but all of a sudden your your brain starts seeing all kinds of other things as soon as you're in front of a room full of people. It's so true. Even sometimes I'll read, you know, I've in the past read stuff to my mom on the phone that I've already read out loud and just reading it to another human changes it. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a place, a safe place for works in progress for sure. So if this sounds interesting to you and you're local, although I will say I got a message from our good friend and an award-winning Monadnock Underground writer Jared Radke today, and uh, we'll we'll see if this comes to fruition. But he's making tentative plans to actually come up here from Atlantic City, New Jersey, for one of our open mic nights later on in the spring or summer. So perhaps even if you are from far away, we did we did have uh, two people at least in there come from Manchester tonight, um, which was real cool. So people are coming from all over, but especially if you're local, and this sounds interesting to you. I mean, we have, there's two awesome things going on here. One is that I'm starting to feel like we're developing a little monthly community because there's now a few people that are coming, if not every time, they're definitely repeat attendees. But also each time, it's never just repeat attendees. It's also, there's also always brand new people coming with totally different stuff and you never know what you're going to get. It's, it's awesome. It is awesome. It's and we're awesome. gonna like up the ambiance next month, and I will <laughs> definitely remember T next month. One person named Sam did show up, re- wondering where the T was. I didn't have it. I lied. Yeah, we did promise T. I did. Yep. I failed. 
and, and Corinne keeps because the lights are there's actually a lot of lights in there and they're really bright and they're very complex to control. But they're also all dimmable. And Corinne keeps reminding us of this and that, and that, you know, she's right that we should, we should set the mood a little bit better by obviously it can't be too dim that you can't read from your paper, but um, it doesn't have to be like business hours lights, which that is what fancy podium certainly has its own light, right? It has the light up there. I bet it does. Yeah. yeah There's no light on the podium itself, but there are front oh. corner. There, there are front okay. only corner lights. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, March tenth, five thirty. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be a good. It's gonna be another good time. I'm I'm very I'm very pleased that we are finally able to do this, and uh, very grateful to the library for co-hosting these events. It's awesome. It's only ten dollars. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. And and as we said last time, um, their terms are reasonable, and their people are good. Over at the Peterborough Town Library. It. it Two two quick library related corrections. One that the open mic nights are free. In case you didn't know, that was a joke. I don't want to. I don't oh. want to mislead people. There. <laughs> yeah. There. Oh yeah. Not ten dollars. No. <laughs> free coffee. No. Free reading. Yeah. And free. the other is um, there was a press release in the paper that came out today. The the paper of the tenth from another writers group unaffiliated with us hosting another library. Not not library sponsored event li- event at the library, which I they also did not specify in their press release. Despite such we're reasonable the only ones terms, who, we're we're the ones who follow the terms. People are going to remember that. Um, but they also had a had a serious error, and so I'm just going to, on their behalf, speaking for all the writers in the region, I'll issue this <laughs> correction. Um, there is no vaccine requirement to enter the Peterborough Town Library, so you're you're welcome to welcome to enter. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I don't know where that idea comes from, and it's like I tried to dig around into it a little bit, and like I'm catching whiffs that like people are trying to get this to be an official rule potentially through the trustees, and like I don't know. I mean, I just want to say we've touched on this subject um, in different contexts a, a few times, but in the State of New Hampshire, towns are not actually like corporate bodies of their own. They're basically subsidiaries of the state. They're, they're little subdivisions of the state of New Hampshire. And as subdivisions of the state of New Hampshire, they're only permitted to do things that they are explicitly written that they are permitted to do in the revised statutes annotated the RSA. I don't believe the RSA authorizes the town to mandate vaccines in a, in a public space and to deny public services to anyone on the basis of vaccine. Um, I know that there is debate about this on the school level. That is a slightly different subject because the schools are sort of governed a little bit. They're, they're not governed directly by the town. Um, and, and schools, of course, do mandate other vaccines. Um, not to enter the building. I think that that still would not be cool, but to be a student, you do typically have to um, have certain vaccines. That's That's been the case, um, at least since we were children. But, but al- always with uh, exceptions allowed. Yeah, I don't think it's ever been very difficult to get an exception um, for those things in the past. You know what I mean? I've never heard of anybody who couldn't be a student because they were not vaccinated for something. 
in the in the public school system in my lifetime anyways but i am pretty certain i'm on solid ground in saying that the town can't do this the town can't do this for the library the town can't do this for the townhouse you can't deny public services to people on the basis of vaccinations yet in this country anyway um i you know and certainly not if you can do it in Boston, perhaps, which for the record, they are already beginning to talk about walking back their vaccine passport program um, because they know they're going to have to soon. So um, even in Boston, that's not going to exist soon. But I know that in the state of New Hampshire, that's simply not authorized. And until the state authorizes that. I mean, I'd hate to see the town face a lawsuit after everything that's gone on in the last couple of years. So. Let's be careful. Let's be careful. Is is all. But that just but so anybody who's in who saw that potentially in the paper and thought that perhaps whatever your status might be, you that you might not be able to go to the library. Um, just know that that isn't the case. So important correction that most likely no one else will actually make. Um, but that's that's what Goman Adnock is here to do fill in the gaps um so all of that being said top story this week in the monadnock region a little bit of consternation here now i'm you know obviously i don't you know i got my uh we all know everybody go ahead you know i, I know what you're thinking obviously i got my little narcissistic tendencies or whatever and obviously <laughs> i'm going to take this a little bit personally myself even though um Superintendent Saunders of the Conval School District likely has no idea who I am. However, I've been a critic of Superintendent Saunders in the past. I really didn't like her budget proposal last year and the philosophy that seemed to be behind it on, on school spending and like what direction we should be going in. Um, not a fan at all. Was, was fairly vocal about that. However, when it came to the subject of the roving gangs in, in Conval and all of the rumors going around that the school was tolerating this, was, was allowing the, the gangs to run free, etc., I said two episodes ago, I doubted that was the case. In the, in the span between that episode and last week's, the superintendent released an official statement that was detailed, comprehensive, addressed all of the concerns, and, as I suspected, <laughs> clarified that nobody was tolerating anything, any violence, any weapons. N none of that was being allowed to go on, because of course it isn't. And so I, I took her side. I said, great, it's a great statement. I don't love Superintendent Saunders, but I think that was great. And it just basically immediately after I stuck up, I stuck my, you know, this is why I don't stick my neck out for people a lot of the time, you know, and a lot of times, man, I have, this has been happening to me since I was in college, right? But I will judge someone and then like, I'll judge them quick, like when, you know, early on or based on one offense or something like that. And then other people will say that I'm being too judgy or I'm being unfair and that person's not actually that bad. And at some point I'll start to believe it and I'll be like, eh, you know, I am a dick. Like maybe I was being too hard on that person, et cetera. And, and then more time goes by and I was like, no way. I was totally right. I've seen every this happen time, more every, than once. Every goddamn time. And this time <laughs> it turns out Superintendent Saunders is quite likely 
to be jumping ship for apparently the greener pastures of Portsmouth. <laughs> How long has she it, been it the is, superintendent? I feel like it's been it's a, a little while. It's, I mean, I, and I don't think I think she started as something else and climbed the ladder. Really speaking, that's quite possible. I, I will be honest and say that I don't know. I don't know the the history of her tenure. And I think it's personal. I think it's been. I think it's been a few years. It's been a few yeah. years. I don't know if it, I don't think it's been more than five, but I think it's been a few. I mean, perhaps she's worked it. If, if she's climbed up, I'm sure she's been around more than five, but I don't think she's been superintendent. I could be wrong. But she's leaving, or she's probably leaving. She, the, this came out in the press, uh, and so I don't know. How did this... Do you guys know how it got in the press? No, I saw your buddy post it on Facebook. So, I mean, that's, I think that's the shittiest part, is it wasn't... Yeah, it was know, in a... Everybody found a, out the back way, you know what I mean? It was Kinda in a Portsmouth paper. That's yeah. these, are the, these are the two candidates, you know, for superintendent, and somebody else saw it and was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Well, apparently the the shouldn't say this, but the Portsmouth newspaper apparently does investigations and um, reporting, and so they they found this out. Uh, I'm sure it was leaked to them as another another common theme on this podcast. This is this is how things get into the press. You got, I don't um, people don't seem to understand this, but like. People tell reporters things without using their name that they're not supposed to say publicly, but they do it anyway. That's how like all articles get written. <laughs> it's, it's like how it's like how the whole machine runs. So, anyways, in Portsmouth, apparently they're less shy about like, the facts of life, and they leak shit to the newspaper. <laughs> and the newspaper gives no fucks if they're screwing over Peterborough and sending us into a tizzy. And so they published this thing saying she's a finalist with this other guy. But then I heard somewhere that the other guy got a job in, or is is almost certainly taking a job in Rutland, Vermont. Oh, so I missed that. I, 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 as far as I know, I could be wrong. I could, I'm saying that. Don't fucking sue me for getting the story wrong here. This is, as I understand it, from multiple sources, and I haven't done a lot of digging myself. But the it, it sounds like every and everyone seems everyone I talk to seems to almost take it for granted that. Uh, she's leaving, and Bye. You, know you know, yeah, yeah. Not only goodbye, you you think Portsmouth is better. Good luck, you know. She and her polycule just want to live out in the open. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good luck among the polyamory epidemic. First of all. Secondly, <laughs> the um, you know. It wasn't that long ago that we had one of our prominent public officials leave here for supposedly warmer climes and a better opportunity where people were more open to progressive ideas. She might have even taken the town's $2.3 million on her way out to Vermont, where the job apparently didn't work out after like a month. So sometimes people get a little too big for their britches and think like, oh, you know, Peterborough is so hard. Screw them. I'm going to Portsmouth. And hey, you know, I wish everybody the best, maybe. But um, sometimes that's how it goes. But the other thing to me now is that, like, the, the trouble with the situation is, now, like I said, it sounds like it's a lock. But if it wasn't a lock, or if something falls through with other dude in Rutland and Portsmouth likes him better, 
Uh, you know what, Superintendent Saunders? I think we've filled your position in the meantime, and we no longer need your services. You can get the fuck out if you don't want to be here, you know? And I think that's true to about anybody. Love it or leave it, baby. This is hardcore native border centric culture here. And if you, I don't know where I'm going with this, but in all <laughs> seriousness, though, I think she had a bad budget last year. I think she resents the fact that the town called her out on the bad budget. And I think she thinks, I'm sure that Portsmouth can probably pay better, I guess. It can't be that much better, but I'm, I'm sure they can pay a little bit better. But I think I read she's one of the highest paid superintendents in the state. I think she's pretty highly paid now. Yes. Um, and Portsmouth is probably one of the only places with deep enough pockets to pay her more, you know, but so I'm sure that that could be part of it, but I, I bet you knowing how people usually make these decisions from a career perspective, I bet you there's, there's a component to the decision that is around, well, they're going to be open to my ridiculous, like, what did she want? She wanted like a million bucks for like a permanent remote program or something like that, right. which not like t teachers, parents, and students all hate this idea. And with the exception of like a dozen people who prefer online learning and which already was, exists, which already exists. It, it was one of the, like, it was an obscene thing and it was an obscene thing because everybody in town is always, as we know, all extremely upset about rising property taxes. And by far, by far, the biggest hunk of the money is always going into the schools and I like public school and I want public school to exist. I'm not saying we should get rid of it, but God, it makes it hard to like public school and want it to exist when on top of the fact that it costs us way more money than it should because of the Conval charter and the way that it's written and the fact that we have to, we're legally required to keep empty schools open. But in a heated climate where people are kind of stressed and really upset about their taxation as it is to just be that tone deaf to be like, you know, on top of the like 53 or $54 million that our budget already is, we need one more million for a totally you like a program. I shouldn't say useless program, a detrimental program, a program that would make the education of the district worse than it was before. And I think that's obscene. And I think that she thinks that out in Portsmouth, they must be better people who would be open to ideas. I mean, that is what Karen Hatcher thought when she left this town. It did not work out. We'll see how reasonable Portsmouth really is. But in any case, I'm sorry I defended her. I hope we get somebody better. Of course, if somebody else said to me, you know, the devil, you know, right? I mean, who knows? Um, I, I, and I myself have made that argument when it comes to public officials in, in other capacities. It's like, what do you think? There's this great pool of public servants out there that, you know, it's just that it's just so easy to find somebody who's going to do an awesome job. Unfortunately, it's not. And I understand that, but I don't know. It seems a little uppity to me.
She was the fifth highest paid assistant superintendent in 2014. That was at $115,000 salary. And so I can imagine she's only done better since then. I can imagine. Does it say when she became superintendent? Did we I think find it's that six, out? I think 16. Okay. Right. All right. So I guess a little bit more than half a decade then. I yeah, was a, I was six a lot. years. But I think she's been yeah. in the system for quite a bit. So I, I will say I had a superintendent growing up. I had uh, I talk about this a lot because I had all these everyone who was in like a role of authority in the town and in the school district was like a model person for that thing. Like we had like a model police chief and we had like a model fire chief and we had model principals in the schools and we had a we had a I, I liked him. His name was Jim McCormick. He's still alive. I shouldn't say was. He's, that is still his name. He's not a superintendent anymore. Uh but he was like, he was a, a clever politician. He was there for like, I think my, I think he was superintendent my entire childhood. Right. And he wasn't that old either. He was like maybe a little bit older than my parents. So he, you know, so he started out as a young guy and like rode, rode the whole thing there. And, uh, he was a smart guy and he, um, punched above his weight. And I think he delivered for the school district consistently and always. And that's why he had such a long tenure. He did have a little bit of a scandal after he left. Unfortunately, he became some sort of consultant. And I don't know what happened with the case. And I don't want to besmirch his good name, but there were charges. So it wasn't a rumor like uh, of uh, some mishandling of funds potentially, but never anything while he was in my picture perfect town being a picture perfect superintendent. So I do have high standards for, I know, I know all of society has declined, but I still expect a lot. You know, we don't get yeah. anywhere by expecting less. I don't think in any case, this episode of GOMO tonight is brought to you by keen mitigation services, your spiritual cleansing and protection specialists here to save you from the K hole. Maybe you work or heaven forbid, live in Keen. Maybe someone that you love does. Maybe it's even just a concern about riding through its borders. It may be the place where good souls go to die, but your soul doesn't have to be one of them. That's where Keen Mitigation Services comes in. When you come on board with KMS as a client, your case manager will work closely with you and a team of spiritual mercenaries to determine what exactly your specific, unique needs, traditional background, ancestral record, and particular risk factors are, and how we can keep you safe from all malefactors, demonic or otherwise. These guys have Catholic priests. They've got Episcopal priests for the Anglophiles among you. They've got Pentecostals. They've got people practicing Santeria. I want to say they have a representative of recycled percussion and their positivity schemes, etc. These guys have packages to suit any budget. Don't fall victim to the K-hole. Call Keen Mitigation Services today. We'll have a link in the show notes to that service. If you would like to have your service, your personality, your art, your business, your event, your bar mitzvah advertised on our program, our rates are so low when it comes to the dedicated, devoted, avid and enthusiastic listenership that you are reaching with this ad. As I've said before, guarantee you the eyes and ears that the message of your sponsorship reaches 
from this program are more attentive and more closely looking at what we're actually selling than those who see an ad in the ledger transcript by a factor of 100. I'm telling you. And our, like I said, our rates are extremely low. You can contact any of us, but particularly uh, Sam. Sam at monadnockunderground.com will hook you up with an ad. We're already booking into March here, people. So hop on the wagon before your competitors do. And now that we have conveniently touched on the subject of Keen, it's a nice segue to our, our next bit of bad news. It's our next uh, trader. This is like the, we're probably going to call this the trader episode, um, the the Benedict Arnold Judas Iscariot episode. Um, so if if Kim Saunders is Benedict Arnold, Judas Iscariot. Should I say this? I mean, I hate to say this because he. <laughs> He is kind of a nice guy, but <laughs> Judas Iscariot. Well, he was nice for a while, right? <laughs> that's right. He was nice. And then he 30, 30 um, things of silver or whatever, right? Pieces yeah, of silver. Eric Gagne, heroic hometown music aficionado, our very own John Cusack in high fidelity, former. <laughs> brainchild behind the glass museum i believe he still is because it still exists uh glass museum nonprofit formed to run the thing in the spring festival which ran in peterborough for like i don't know like 10 years or something like that uh it's kind of a big deal i did a little goodbye concert unexpectedly in september i think it was without really announcing that it was a goodbye but it was called Long Live the Thing. So anybody who understands what like Long Live the Whatever means and all, and when you say that, I was like, uh, it sounds like that's a farewell. And it was a farewell. And, you know, the reasons cited at the time were, were very justifiable. I get it. You know, he's, he's set up at, um, if you guys have heard about Nova Arts over there, which is like somehow combined with Brubakers or whatever in one building or something. They are legitimately, as we'll discuss in a moment, but they're legitimately one of the only places between here and like Nashua or further that is doing regular live music. So you got to give them credit for that. And that's because of Eric. Um, you know, what, what, was, what was said at the time was that the Glass Museum was going to dissolve because he, had to, he, he was going to step back because he's got this gig at Nova and he's basically got the opportunity to kind of professionally run the, the music at this place and uh, and not bang his head against the wall like he was having to do a little bit in Peterborough. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, it's a, it's a little bit of a betrayal taking that much music into Nova Arts from Peterborough, but not, not enough for me to call it out, right? Well, turns out, turns out several months down the road, I was a little offended to see this, actually, in a press release. The thing in the spring is not over. Long live the thing. The thing in the spring is going to continue this year. In Keen. So, now, some, some might find this distinction arbitrary. I don't believe that it is. I think that there's a very clean line here where it's like, all right, you know, new venue in Keene, you're bringing some music in there. For the most part, th there's some exceptions, but for the most part, like, I don't really see a lot of the bands that, that are going into, sometimes, 
maybe once a month, there's a band that goes into Nova that I think might have played at Harlow's if Harlow's had music, right? Most of the time, I don't know that there's overlap. I think they might be different bands. And Keen, for their part, one of the reasons that Keen has been so obviously unlucky, and there's obviously a problem there, is because a place like Keen should, by all rights, on paper, have like two to three times the live music that a place like Peterborough does. It just should. It's a college town. It's like, what do they have? They got like 24 or so thousand people live in Keene and 6,000 people live in Peterborough. You know what I mean? They're four times as big as we are. Plus there's a college. Plus there's even a couple of other big towns around it. There's no reason that we should have ever actually had musical supremacy other than superiority and the bad curse that's on Keene, right? So I don't begrudge them a venue with music playing in it. And like I said, I didn't really feel like he was stealing very much. And I also didn't, did not overly love the thing in the spring. I didn't really like the music that would be featured at it, honestly. And I didn't think it was, it had a local enough character. So this is a subject that I'm a little bit conflicted about because I'm not that brokenhearted on the face of it, but I am offended on a deep, deep level that the festival continues in fucking keen. What a <laughs> dirty thing to do. What a... What a dirty thing to do. That's rotten. We That's all know how you feel about Keen, though, Chris, to be fair. But I but I have to agree with you that I think it sucks just as much as you do. Maybe you have a deeper hatred for it because you lived there um, and worked there and had to be sort of there in, in all sorts of ways. But I, Yeah, and it's, it's also like as, as the Wizard of Monadnock, hmm. you know, you, you, you come to know there's a certain spiritual vortex around that place that just it doesn't do good things to people it doesn't let people leave it doesn't let people flourish and thrive it's 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 very dark and i can't for the life of me i don't understand what it comes from and as i was i don't want to get on a tangent on this but i was chatting with it was bill mullen uh, on a stray facebook comment but brattleboro has a shadow too it's a different shadow but brattleboro is also another place that like should be good but you go there and you just in fact it's more it's more palpable than keen i think keen has worse luck overall like it's because it's more subtle but when i'm in brattleboro physically i want to leave like i always want to go mm-hmm. and I, sometimes in keen i can forget that i'm in keen but in brattleboro it's just like ah, this is like an uncomfortable place there's something weird here man um that's a that's unrelated. I don't think he's going to bring the festival there. But Jesus Christ, he's going to bring it to Keene. Like, change the name at least, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the the Nova Arts Festival, or you know, yeah. God Almighty, it's it's. I think it's insulting, and I and people in Peterborough are so goddamn co- conflict averse that I guarantee you, there's a ton of people thinking this who are probably even in their own mind before like sharing it with their spouses. They're like, no, 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 don't be mad at him. It's okay. This sort of thing happens. You know, like, no, it doesn't. That's a dick thing to do. That's insulting. I don't care. I, I mean, I, I think that's bullshit. And it's especially bullshit because of the state of music in Peterborough. And the fact that Harlow's is dead. Yeah, when I talk about long live something. Long, uh, long live Har- Harlow's is dead. Long live Harlow's. <laughs> There's no music in there. I hear a million rumors that all add up to basically no music's going in there anytime soon, if ever, maybe never, right? 
This and is a thing. And like that's a weirdly controversial thing to say. Like you can't even say that. And it's like yeah, people th- there hasn't been a musical note played in there in like over two years, and people are like in disbelief that that <laughs> it's not happening. Like just in their minds, it's. I mean, they had music, live music, four to six nights a week every goddamn week and it was phenomenal and i applaud the run but that was kind of what made i mean no offense but it wasn't the blair witch sandwiches that i do like but you know what i mean yeah well like like i was saying earlier like you know you not to disparage any other live music but like there's a difference between going to a venue with mediocre occasional music standing there and watching it or like sitting there maybe but you know in a in a concert hall mediocre going to harlow's for the food alone mediocre but you meld the two together in the harlow's atmosphere listening to your mediocre music with your mediocre food and it was like more than the sum of its parts Perfect. it was like yeah beautiful it was the fusion. alchemy yeah. you know but yeah. you divorce those two things and then you just have two mediocre things yeah, like I, I was that. corrected for saying no. this to somebody in the Peterborough Facebook group um, because somebody was commenting about, you know, how, like, oh, it, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, all right, we could get bogged down talking about this forever because now I remember what post it was. It was on a post where some, where actually it was um, your boy, um, uh, Andrew Carnegie. Um, oh, uh, wow, yeah, fucking Dan uh, Dan Patron, yeah, um, uh, Andrew Carnegie of of Peterborough Realtors. <laughs> was making a post of what business would you like to see in Peterborough? And God almighty people, your answers are so bad. But anyway, they're, they're all bad. The answers on that post were bad in every possible way that you could think (laughs) that they could be bad. But one really, really good answer from Bob Bolt was a jazz club. And oh, I'm yeah. like, yeah. And, and and if there's a place where like a jazz club could survive, like I I think Peterborough is could sustain it. It wouldn't be like a Boston level thing, but like you could have a pretty cool jazz club in Peterborough, I think, that plays jazz like three nights a week or something like that. I I yeah. there's enough musicians around willing to come and sit down and jam jazz uh, that you could do that. I thought it was a great idea. And then so, like I don't know, somebody was just like, you can go to Harlow's, like or like something like that. <laughs> And like, it might've been after me or somebody else was like, there's no music. And they're like, you know, there's Harlow's. I'm like, no, there's not like there. Not only is Harlow's not playing music right now, but there, there is no statement of intent to do so at all. There's not even a rumor that, that, you know, so, and again, I'm, I, I, it's not substantiated enough that I can repeat the reasons that I've heard for this, but like literally if half of the reasons that I've heard for this are true, there's not music coming back. Oh, if only 50% of what I've heard is true, the music isn't coming back to Harlow's. And uh, that's what I believe until I see otherwise, that's what I'm going to believe. And I, so I was corrected. I think it was Saturday night, Friday or Saturday night. I was making this comment. Should you know, good lesson for me. It, it mean, you know, I'm in trouble mentally. If I'm scrolling Facebook on a Saturday night, it means I'm, I'm not disciplined. You know, I'm not, I, I shouldn't be on Facebook on a Saturday night anyways. So, this did call me out on that unintentionally, I think. But the comment was, there's a blues performance at the Peterborough Townhouse from the Peterborough Concert Series going on right now. 
And I appreciate, I really do, sincerely. And, you know, yeah, sometimes it is mediocre. I'm not a big fan of, of, I shouldn't say I'm not a big fan of cover bands because, you know, I've gone to see Space Force. I've gone to see Winterland. Um, you know, these are Pink Floyd and Grateful Dead cover bands. Space respectively. Force show at the townhouse like two years ago, anniversary. And that, yeah, was, great. that was a great night. That was great. That was great. It was a phenomenal show and a great night. Um, so I, I know it's, I shouldn't, so I don't, I don't, I don't hate the cover bands. Sometimes I don't want to hear who they're covering. Like I can't stand Paul Simon and there's this Paul Simon cover band that everybody goes nuts for. I think Paul Simon sucks. Um, yeah, my bow tie is really a camera. I mean, fuck you, dude. You know, I don't know. I can't stand that guy. Um, but, um, he's got a couple good songs. I'll give him that. But like, I don't know. Lots of people do. Um, Anyways, though, so great. I'm not trying to discount Peterborough Concert Series. I think it was a benefit to the town when it came there, and I'm glad that it exists, and I will continue to go to shows of it. Um, but as Zoe pointed out, though, this is a it's a different proposition. You're you're paying, and I don't again, it's, it's not necessarily about the money for me, but you're paying twenty five or thirty bucks to go to a ballroom where you're going to stand probably i think the pink floyd show had seats so maybe some of the shows have seats um i'm old and i get sick of standing now so it's um i want there to be at least some chairs but some shows i guess they do have seats but you know it's just it's in the townhouse and it's that's all there is though right it's it's you're going to a show and that's fine sometimes you want to do that in fact a lot of times i want to do that but that is a little bit different than going to an establishment where there's live music and especially for like a date night or, or something like that. I mean, Kelly and I used to do that on Friday night, Harlow's nights on purpose because yeah, like we could go and like, you know, get a little food, get a little buzz on hear whatever great band. Cause it was always somebody good for eight bucks on a Friday night. Always somebody good. Somebody who damn well might've been literally playing at the paradise in Boston the next day was at Harlow's on Friday night and it was fucking awesome. But I really, you know, like I said, there's, there's going to a show, but there's also a thing that I like where I'm sitting at a table again, maybe I'm on a date, maybe I'm on a double date. I got some friends over here. We're sitting at a table. It's like the Copacabana and like Goodfellas. If you've ever seen that, you know, and you're sitting, you got food and you got drink and it's okay to converse a little bit. Like as long as you're not disruptive, but the band is playing and, it's social and it's, it's fun. And it's a mix of all of these things. It's not just, you know, standing there for the show. And I, I really think that's different. And of course the frequency thing is a huge difference too. It, it is one thing to have two shows in the townhouse a month, which again, I'm glad I'm not trying to sound ungrateful. I love that that is real. Um, but that is not the same as having Celtic Tuesday Open Mic Wednesday, Bluegrass Thursday, Kick-Ass Band Friday, and maybe something bonus on Saturday and or Sunday. That's just, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't scratch remotely the same itch. It, it's, um, you could be casual about Harlow's and see live music. You could decide, you know, at the last minute, you could not pay attention at all. You could just not give a shit who's there and show up. It's a different proposition. It's not the same thing. And yeah, so I mean, music, music isn't here the way that it was. And it's, it's, it's very disheartening to me 
And I kind of don't really know what else to say about that, but it's a bummer. And, uh, and Eric, you know, like, I'm sure I'll see, I'm sure I'll see you and, you know, I'll smile at you or whatever, but just know I'm happy to talk to you about it if you want, but I just think it was a dick, it's a dick move. You got to do what you got to do, but you did us, you did us dirty brother. Taking taking that to Keen of all places. And it's not a I don't know. Unless you employ someone like Keen Mitigation Services, I, I don't I don't know that it's a good recipe for prosperity either. Personally. Maybe the demon like got to him and that's the whole reason that he did this. That sort of thing happens. I've seen it before. Just throwing that out there. Can it be exercised or is he a lost cause? <laughs> That's what they do. Eric, there's hope for you. There's, there's hope for you yet. Links in the show. You guys remember, um, I, you know who I sounded like in my own mind just then is um, <laughs> surely like if if only many years ago, you guys have seen Almost Famous. Yeah. Never saw it. Oh, you never saw Almost Famous? Oh, oh. my God. Oh, well, I was just, do you remember that scene when Francis McDormand, the mom, is talking to um, Russell, the rock star on the phone? And she like, just like, lays into him and like gives him a little lecture and she's and she she ends it with something like that like i know there's hope for you russell like that, that that's how i feel eric has definitely seen that movie so if he sees this he knows what the reference is i'm francis mcdormand right now and i'm telling you i have hope for you but you got to change your ways so uh what else i mean <laughs> what do we, we we uh we published a we published a new uh gomo voice from a, another controversial figure controversial yeah our speaking friend, of the uh, angelo voyello he's he's causing some waves yeah week. some jerk accused him of having a pseudonym and not being a real person um we're not going to dignify those accusations with a official response but in, in any case he's our columnist he's a he's a french italian um philosopher and financier he used to be a catholic cardinal he lives in sharon um with a number of of small dogs and his belief you know applying the things that he's learned uh, over a long career globally to this region is that there is um in fact let me just let me just bust out um because he, he, in his most recent piece that he, he we published um, earlier today, he he gives a summary of his position, which is there is a nons. And again, I'm quoting from the article that we put out today. We'll put it, we'll put this in the show notes. But there is a non-zero possibility that in the medium-term future we may see a partial breakdown of society that leads to much more limited centralization of government. This would mean that on some key areas of both survival and governance, localities will effectively be on their own. In such a scenario, the Monadnock region is susceptible to unfriendly annexation by more powerful neighbors such as Keene. But by planning for such a scenario in advance, including making the preparations for expansion of Peterborough as the center of an independent minor power, we may have the chance to retain control of our destiny. Now, as with everything else that we publish, I mean, we there's a reason it's called Voices, you know, right? I mean, the, the, nobody who writes including myself, really, as an individual, 
who writes for our voices section, speaks for Go Monadnock or Monadnock Underground as an organ. You know, all of the, we don't even put this as a disclaimer because screw that. We believe it is self-evident that we obviously don't agree with all of these people. We're going to publish people who disagree with each other. So nobody who publishes on there is the official line. So let's be clear that that our media outlet isn't, isn't calling for this, but one of our, like our job is to find really unique people who can speak articulately and dynamically about comprehensive topics, particularly those that are forward-looking. And and Angelo very much fits the bill, unusual as his views may be. And, um, you know, I happen, I shared his article in the Peterborough group because it, it's a matter of, of, you know, direct local interest. And, um, yeah, boy, people are uh, all kinds of reactions to the post. You guys got a favorite, um, <laughs> favorite I like, reaction? I like the Angelo? guy that... After everybody said everything that they said, I like the guy who was like, I thought it was an interesting article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I thought it was a good read, something like that. Yeah, that, was that, that, was, yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah, I'm glad there's, there's definitely a couple of people who appreciated it. A lot of people yeah. found a lot of problems with it. We got an but, UG. Yes, we got gag. an UG. Yes. Or gag. That's what I mean. Yeah, we got a gag. Yeah. yeah. Better than yeah, UG. Really. That was self deprecating, too, because um, that was. Uh, that was Sharon, the chair of our of our zoning board, who said, um, and I don't actually have it in front of me, but she, her comment was basically saying, like, <laughs> I, th- I actually thought it was really funny. She said that um, the surrounding towns don't want to be associated with our name to begin with, never mind um, <laughs> being, like, uh, under our feudal control. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which my, I don't my- know. I think that they regard us a little bit better than that, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Temple doesn't. I know. I know. There's towns that don't. Temple and yeah. Greenfield, I've been told, do not like us. Um, hmm. I didn't know that about Greenfield. My my favorite comment was the one about the Navy, though. I don't have it open, but oh yeah, that was Steve Zosowski, famous basketball good- photographer. Yes. Oh, that's right. Father, who we thought yeah. might have to settle the um, the calendar wars if, if Jeff Tuttle <laughs> hadn't just, like won that handily on his own. Um, you know, Steve was going to have to step in and like broker a truce. Didn't happen yeah. that way. But yeah, Steve was saying like we need a Peterborough Air Force, and with superior air power, we would be able to dominate Keene, and everyone else would then fall in line. If if you want to think along the lines of our friend Voyello. Lepofsky's got exactly the right idea. That's what. That's the kind of discussion that is being encouraged here. So uh, if we just annex New Boston, get their Air Force Base. Nice. Space Force. Space nice. Force. Yeah. Yeah. They oh, don't is have any. Is the Space Force now? Yeah, it's a Space Force base, and they never had any planes, so like you can't. Oh. Um, huh. Yeah, it's like it's a facility. Like it's oh. like a. Oh, not really <laughs> like a base. A, <laughs> no, no, it's not a base. It's, well, I think, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's officially, cla- it might, it may be officially classified. It's a building though, from what I understand. It's not, oh, I, thought, it might be a- I thought there was like all kinds of stuff like secret in the woods back there. I just had like wild imaginings. I think we were speculating though. I don't know if that's actually true. Oh, were we speculating? I feel like yeah, that's think, been in my think, head forever. I think yeah. we did it and on the not- show. And it's not to be confused with the, I have a good the memory. very large array telescope. No, I'm not confusing it with that. But it's but it but they're not that you know they're kind of 
right. in the same woodsy direction. That's and, what I thought we talked about before. Maybe. Yeah, but but we did talk about the Space Force base, and I think we did speculate that there could be all kinds of shit in it, but there's we know there's no planes. There's, okay. I mean, maybe there's UFOs, but there's no jets that could have air strikes on Keen. Airport and um, Airport and Jaffrey. Wow. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No idea. That's where we get our planes. Airstrip endearing. Anyway, it's basically mm. that's, you know, that stretch of land between Antrim and Hillsborough. And, well, here's another thing, too, that we probably don't know about and probably can't find out about, but, like, I don't know. Like, how sure are we that some of the billionaires, like, nestled in the Peterborough Hills and particularly in, like, Sharon, right, don't have little small plane airfields or at least like helipads one mm-hmm. helipad peterborough i know but there's probably more than one private so one besides the hospital yeah the private residence it's not far from there actually. no shit wow see so there's there's actually like an ordinance in francistown now that you can't land a plane uh in a field in francistown because kurt's former boss once flew his plane to his house in francistown and like landed <laughs> in the yard and like apparently scared some livestock nearby. Wow! So we, then they had to write that. They had, they to, like, had to write, write that, that in. Down. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Huh. So Francis Town maybe not where we look for you know air related. <laughs> or we just change their rules. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there you go. We could, we yeah. could turn half of Francis Town into an airstrip if we annex them. You know, I mean right. that's part and part. We want to be friendly, of course, but if. I mean, I guess, see, these are the things, the, the, like someone took real offense to the fact that Voyello said something about um, identifying problem towns and, and what, what the threats against this might be. But this is what, like, he goes on and, like, I mean, this is the kind of thing he's referring to. And I'm sure because I've talked to the guy and I know what his ideas are for, he says it right in the post, that his intent for this column over the next several months is to explore specific aspects of this concept and like what pieces we need to consider and what they mean for our strategy overall, were we to adopt a strategy? Some people are really against the idea of assertiveness, let's say, or non-humility. We might, we might say among the humble Yankees chopping their wood, but the, um, the, if whether or not a town is cooperative in terms of our advances, may well determine how the town is used after they fall, right? So if, like, Francistown was, say, to be a willing participant in this plan, I think they're much less likely to have an airstrip, right? If they're resistant, you know, we may relocate people and raise new fields for airplanes as a uh, way to set an example. You know, this is, and again, not the position of the show. This is just, I think, how this fellow thinks. And I, I do, I'm not going to say that I agree, but I find it persuasive. I think it's worth considering what the, the area in which, and this is, this is why I agreed to publish the guy. It, um, where I agree with him the most, and this is what I'm looking for generally with Voices Post, is I want people to write for us 
who are willing to basically cast, when talking about the future, basically cast aside all assumptions that we take for granted in the present. Because that does seem to me to be a useful thing to do in thinking about the future, because it's very possible for many reasons, and again, this is where I very much agree with Foyello, that the future is not going to look like the present. It's definitely not going to look like the 1990s. You know what I mean? Like it's this, this 20th century ideal that we have for the status quo. There really isn't any reason to assume that it's going to always be like that. So when we talk about the future for our region, when we talk about the future for ourselves and our families, I think that everyone should think that way and, and nobody should be afraid to, look at a whole different kind of ball game than than what we accept as normal. Some people don't like that though. In any case, it's more interesting to read this for sure than the cover story on the ledger transcript, which is about like couples who fell in love at Franklin Pierce. Um and it's like, you know, part of me wonders if they're hearing my imaginary romances that I keep writing for their other boring stories that contain nothing of plot uh, that is good, but um, if if they're trying again, the key and and I I so far I haven't actually gotten in any trouble for this. I don't know, but in almost every episode I, I make some kind of ageist defense. No offense, again, but even the old <laughs> people want to read about young love. Not old love. Think about that. Think about that. So, bad attempts. But one of the big things that we wanted to talk about in closing out was my favorite Ledger headline of the week, which is still uncorrected. I told them about it on Facebook, but it still says this. It's not even a Ledger article. It's reprinted from the Concord Monitor, so all they had to do was copy and paste it. And... Instead, the headline still, days later, says, Parents, Doctors, Debate Bill That Would Mandate COVID-19 in Schools. You know, it, it might be better than trying to eradicate it. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would work better, yes. Yes, indeed. But yeah, there are, you know... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as evil as people around here often make the Republicans in Concord out to be, there are none of them mandating that all of our children get a disease so far. Um, there are the, the real story is that there are actually dueling bills. Um, there's a new bill filed by the Democrats to mandate COVID-19 vaccines in schools that is there to combat a Republican bill to mandate no COVID vaccine to ban mandates of COVID vaccines. Um, which the disease again, itself still resistant to law. Yeah, still optional. <laughs> still, still an optional disease. Still an elective. Um, it, it really just boils down to how moral you are as far as whether you get <laughs> we, have, we have a couple of friends. Unfortunately, um, you know, God bless them. They they had COVID at Christmas, and now they have COVID again. And I love them, but like God, they must be immoral. <laughs> the only to have answer. gotten it twice in like six weeks, like they uh, they 
vengeance from Jehovah. Yeah, right. It's all about how pure you are. They must have spent um, too much time in Keen during the, those weeks. I don't, maybe even Galbraith. Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned, I hope. Uh, <laughs> they, they weren't going to Nova Arts. Um, in any case, I think we've made enough people angry for this week. Um, <laughs> called enough people out for enough things. And that... That, my friends, is going to do it for this week's episode of Go Mode tonight. We want to thank you a great deal for joining us here in the Space Lounge. Check out all the links in the show notes. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Check out our writing workshops that we have coming up. Um, we want to thank our sponsor, Keen Mitigation Services, for sponsoring our program. And as always, we want to issue a huge shout out to Sound Lord Chad Patterson, who produces expertly and in zero time and often with no warning these episodes to an incredible degree of sound quality that is always getting better and he has a studio studio117.net not.com where you can go for any any kind of mixing sound recording the dude can do anything and like i said he's he's picking up new pieces of equipment all the time and he's even picking up new hobbies he's got a got a new band called down by 10 down Boy 10 is a cover band that can play all the best dad rock and kid rock for any event that you can imagine. They are available at very reasonable rates and they are for hire. We will put the link to their Facebook page where you can contact them in the show notes. But Chad is um, truly a wonderful soul. He helps us out. We love him and he is a master of both sound editing and the guitar. And he will rock your socks off. So talk to chad talk to us about any of the things that are under our purview don't go to keen and until we meet you again next time please by all means take good advice <laughs> <laughs>